Now, to show our gratitude, we're not going to be like the other guys and jerk you around and bullshit you. We're going to tell you the truth. Shane Douglas is the man who ignites the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling. The era of the franchise. The era of the ECW. Every little thing changes. That's our Connection Podcast Network listeners. Welcome to episode number 60 of the Extreme Three-Way Dance, the most extreme and azure swap violence you'll ever experience. I'm JT. Joining me, as always, are my cohorts on the show, Maddie and Jenny. How are you guys doing? 60 episodes? Are you kidding me? It's mm-hmm. wild. Jeez. I didn't go look. I didn't, I didn't see how many were... A J D after Damato, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but A J uh, you've been here. Is that what they call it? A <clears throat> J Yes, you've been yeah. here uh, quite a while on that, though, right? Mm-hmm. What was your first one? The Ass Extreme Bash. The uh, oh, no. right it was that. the Queens show, I think. Mass- Massacre on Queens Boulevard, I think, was the first one. Yeah. Okay, it looks like you've uh, about thirteen episodes you've been on. So that's wow. pretty solid. That's crazy yes, to think yeah. about. Building up a reputation real quick. Mm-hmm. So our last episode, we dove into The Doctor Is In, which it took you to Stugatz's a while to uh, figure <laughs> out that that was about totally Dr. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, doing odd. Um, which I think was part of the problem. problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so we broke that down. We're in the fallout now. We have three weeks of TV, and this is all going to lead up to our next big event which we'll cover next episode, which is Natural Born Killers 1996. You can take a wild snap, perhaps, about who's going to be featured on that show. If you can mm. piece that one together, let me know. Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> no? No. Pull a dumbo. All right, let's head inside the ECW arena, because we are still in this red-hot summer of 1996. August 6th, 96, to be exact. And we open up inside the arena with some live action as JT Smith is heading out. And you know what that means? Time for our Italian lesson of the week. Right out of the gate. You guys excited? Fuck yes. Mm hmm. We didn't have one last episode because they weren't I on. I know. So. No, it sucked. We're going to come in hot tonight with uh, Ala Pecorina. Mm. 
Is work. that cheese? Uh, pecorino, I believe, is the cheese. Oh, okay. <laughs> Say it again. Habla pecorino. Okay. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. I want to hear you say it first. Uh, a la pecorina. A la pecorina. <laughs> so, uh, its exact translation is sheep style, but it's basically slang for doggy style, <laughs> uh, which you're not aware is a sexual position. Oh. And if you Google a la pecorina, it immediately brings up a bunch of doggy style porn results. <laughs> um, so, this is an accurate slang term i believe why is it called sheep style sheep 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 like a sheep i know that's what i said sheep because <laughs> that's how she i think you said sheep but a million no. Right no uh but no sheep style i think it's yeah italy i guess like, do, you, do you shear the person after you're done like well there's maybe sheep also have intercourse like dogs like from behind like that i see that makes sense um <laughs> makes as much sense as anything i guess it makes All me I wish that. Doggy style, right? <laughs> it makes me wish that. Did we have animals? Are there like otters or something? Maybe I don't know. Uh, do they style. have dogs in Italy? I don't know. <laughs> Surely they do. They must. So I, I started to Google it, and the first one that comes up is, "Are there dogs in heaven?" <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, there are large sheep dogs. Like the large Italian dog bred to guard leaves the life the livestock livestock. Uh, no, there are iconic dog breeds in Italy, so I don't know. I guess, for whatever reason, that's how they uh, first started using the term. You fucking look a sheep. So there you go. God, what would, is funnier. What would you call yeah. it if you have a sheep dog? Like, I guess you get to choose. <laughs> right. You can pick one or the other. Yeah. Maybe the sheep and the dogs at the same time are doing it. Mm. I, it makes me wish that the Dodi went to Italy in, like, the Attitude Era, so Road Dog could have done this as part of his catchphrase. It'd just be, like, sheep style. Sign. Do it a pecorina! <laughs> Sheepy style. <laughs> Alright, so there's our word for tonight. A la pecorina. A la uh, so, pecorina. A la pecorina. I expect you guys to only say sheep style for now on, whenever you talk about it. Uh, absolutely. It's all I'll think about now. And nothing else. Exactly. Pecorina, okay. Uh, all right, so J.T. Smith, he's in, in the arena. He's inside the ring. And he comes out to some Frank Sinatra. He talks some shit to the usual fans. Joey calls him the pudgy paisan. Uh, J.T.'s feeling good tonight. He knows the fans are here to hear him sing, but they won't get that pleasure because he has a bigger rock group in the house. And he brings out Kiss, which is a Stevie Richards, Blue Mini, and Nova, and some fourth guy painted up. They're playing fake guitars and strutting around. Joey says Stevie looks like Marcel Marceau and names all the parodies <laughs> they've done. Uh, Stevie then grabs the mic and fires up the crowd as Joey says he wishes he was a mime. Uh, Meanie wants to hear Freebird and then says rock and roll all night and they perform as Joey sets up the night ahead. Sandman eventually comes in and cleans house with the cane to a big pop. And then we get our opening segment from Doctor's End. So I thought this was pretty funny. I mean, I think these guys continue to crush it with the parodies. And uh, Smith is always hilarious uh, with the, the Italian stuff. So. There is a version, one of our listeners, uh, I think it was Steve McCullough put up, like the actual version of them singing the song and everything, which I'm guessing they probably got from this. But um, so if you want to check it out, he posted the video of them doing it live. But yes, they are now Kiss. Uh, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I, I thought this was hysterical. Uh, Meanie saying Freebird and then Stevie punching him destroyed me. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just so funny. Uh, I think Nova has never held a guitar in his life. <laughs> his his uh, fake guitar playing ability was uh, quite bad. But yeah, I mean, these guys are just so entertaining in 
anything they do, whether it was this or the Baron Von Stevie stuff, stuff we saw, you know, a few months ago. Like, yeah, these guys are just incredibly entertaining, and this was no exception. And I feel like the chemistry is actually growing somehow because it was already great to begin with, but it's like they're getting to the point where they just like it's like some of the best like improv type people, right? They're just like quick, quick bouncing off each other right. with things. It's uh, they really built up like a smooth chemistry. Speaking of bouncing, uh, Stevie's hair is so luscious and gorgeous <laughs> and curly and bouncy. I could not. I mean, his face is painted. He looks like a lunatic, but I'm sitting there just lusting over his beautiful hair the entire time. It's so gorgeous. But um, I thought JT Smith was really funny here. And mm-hmm. really, they all were. And they're all very terrible at what they're doing, but <laughs> in the best <laughs> way. Like, the crowd was super into it, too. Like, mm-hmm. all of it worked. And. It's nonsense. And this is, I guess, <clears throat> missing from what we saw last week. So uh, we were like, why is everybody uh, got their faces painted in? So now we get to see it. So I was glad mm-hmm. for that. They really stumbled into something with this J.T. Smith gimmick because he was like a complete lost soul mm-hmm. uh, before this. But now it's like, I mean, this is just like tremendous. Like they really just stumbled into it and leaned into it and he owns it. So we'll see if it continues to grow as we move forward. Uh, we get our opening animation. Sandman is still in the ring. He's gushing blood from his eye. Says he wants no stretcher and he'll walk off. He's just surrounded by officials, medics, and Todd Gordon. Of course, that's what we saw our doctors in. Joey's in the nest. He says, Missy Hyatt has to keep the cameras out of the locker room. He sets up the rest of the night, which for us is easy because it's just three matches from doctors in that we've already covered with Bubba Ray Dudley versus Axel Rotten, Sandman versus Stevie Richards. And the Gangsters eliminate his Bruce Brothers and Simone Gangsta Party four-way as well. So, uh, I mean, look, for us, it's a pretty succinct episode. If you're watching this live, it's it's pretty thorough. You get a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we can just kind of chug along. But any any quick thoughts on that? No, I mean, it, it would have been a great episode had we not seen it before, obviously. Like, <laughs> right. that's the thing. I feel like we keep saying it every episode, every time we cover ECW yeah. TV. It's like these episodes of TV would have been so great <laughs> to see at the time if we're not watching the full shows. So, Yeah, and I think, you know, we're going to see for us, and we'll talk about it more as we move along over the coming weeks, but like there's less and less of these on the network as we go further in and they start doing actual pay-per-views and stuff. So the TVs are actually going to become more meaningful of it for us starting like very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just less of these out there um, for us to cover. So Jenny, any final thoughts on eight, six? No, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. Definitely. Um, if you don't want to watch, you know, the whole show, this is a, a great way to, to watch it mm-hmm. in little segments. Okay. All right, let's fast forward a week to August 13th, 1996, and this uh, mixes it up a little bit. I was expecting another kind of rehash of Doctor is in, but no, it's quite different. We get some stock footage from Tokyo, Japan. As Joey says, ECW has become worldwide tonight. They will be taking Tokyo to the extreme. We have our opening animation. Joey then welcomes us into Kurokuen Hall and says we're watching tonight via satellite from Tokyo. He says uh, we'll be welcoming into a historic night of wrestling TV, including the first ever appearance of the Eliminators since losing their titles. It'll be their 16th tour of Japan in an IWA interpromotional match. We didn't see clips of Bubba Ray Dudley and Tarzan Goto from earlier in the night, as well as Terry Bam Bam Gordy's return to action. We're going to get Japanese magazine pictures of Tommy Dreamer and Raven. Looks like Tiger Beat, <laughs> the way they had a position <laughs> on there. Uh, Joey then says Raven left Tyler and Lori in the U.S., and tonight he will face Tommy Dreamer on his own. So, uh, Jenny, I, I thought it was a pretty good open. Set the tone. I mean, were you surprised when they faded up and all said we're going to have an episode from Japan? I did not see this coming at all. 
definitely. I was like, wait, did did I change it? Like, what? Surely it just rolled to the next episode. Like, I had no idea. I was like, oh, okay, shit. Um, it's exciting. Um, interesting that we haven't heard anything about it, you know, like previously. And they just kind of sprung it on us. But, and also, I can't imagine the fucking havoc that they brought to that town um when <laughs> when you're <laughs> when you're an ecw guy like i don't know what kind of fun they had and i bet it was a lot it, yeah uh, definitely interesting i was unaware that ecw was even in japan this early like i knew mm-hmm. it was coming i didn't think it was this early but definitely cool to see and like jenny said it is kind of out of nowhere like i feel like this is something they probably should have maybe mentioned in the previous <laughs> right. episode but because it's kind of i mean it is kind of a big deal especially given the the main event of the show which we'll get to but yeah it's really cool to see uh to see everybody over there and uh, as we'll get into it the crowd just loves everything about it so i find that happens a lot watching these um and that's been since the case since we started in 94 I feel like a lot of stuff happens way sooner than I expected to happen. Like that's been consistent in my watching of this. Like I know some of this stuff happens and then when it does come up, I'm like, Oh shit, this is like already here. So yeah, we're, I mean, this is their first worldwide tour. So it's a big deal for sure. They already kind of had that working relationship with IWA. So obviously mm-hmm. they're just kind of playing off of that, but uh, all right. So we go outside Ravens on a catwalk. He says, Tommy gets them all alone tonight. There's no lackeys and no flunkies. And, that is the same exact way they got the belt off Mike Tyson in this very sports complex here in Japan when he lost to Buster Douglas. Mm-hmm. He won't lose like Tyson, and Tommy won't win that title. He can't beat him, whether it's in Philly, Florida, New York, or anywhere. Even though he's alone, it's fine because he never needs help. Even if Tommy beats him, his life is a living hell anyway. I feel like I feel like Raven goes through like seven levels of uh, grief during this one promo. <laughs> like, he can't beat me uh, because, it, but I don't have help, but I don't need the help. But if he does beat me, I win anyway because I'm miserable. So whatever. So, <laughs> it goes through all these weird permeations of like how his night could go. I just think he's fucked up. Like he looks bad. <laughs> he looks really bad. I don't mm-hmm. know, maybe uh, um, like jet lagged or something. But right, it, mm-hmm. I was with him when he was talking about alone like Tyson and all that stuff. And then I felt like he just lost it. Like he maybe said <laughs> something he wasn't gonna say, and then like he had to try to cover up for it. Anyway, it, it was very awkward. Not as smooth as a typical Raven promo. Yeah, uh, definitely not one of his best. Uh, like Jenny, he, he lost me at the end there. He was going good with, you know, the Tyson stuff and the mentioning Buster Douglas beating Tyson and all that stuff. And then he just says, oh, my life sucks. I don't care. Like, <laughs> it's like, I mean, relatable, but it was weird. how did you get there from uh, talking about Buster Douglas beating Tyson? It's like you did like a U-turn somewhere. But I mean, Raven just has a presence about him where even something like this was still uh, pretty entertaining. But yeah, it's uh, certainly not one of his best promos, I'll say. Right. Uh, yeah, maybe the jet lag was getting to him. Um, it looks like he definitely didn't, hadn't slept in, like, days. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we get footage of the fans crowding ECW meet and greets and merch stands as Joey's talking about the overwhelming response from the Japanese fans. They showed up in droves looking for autographs. Joey says ECW has become a phenomenon in Japan just three years after it started inside a tiny bingo hall in ECW arena. After a couple hundred fans watched a fledgling promotion, word of mouth from fans built the momentum. And now here we are in 50 million homes weekly, witnessed around the world. And for this show, several thousand Japanese fans wanted to get extreme. Uh, Jenny, do you feel any pride in Joey's little promo here, knowing that we've kind of been with them since the beginning and look how far we've come? I'm not going to lie. I might have teared up a little bit 
because it's Joey saying it, number one, and right. it, he just, it looks so heartfelt. It feels so, um, like, personal to him in some ways, so I felt like he believed what he was saying, and also I was, like, super proud of everybody and, and that they have come this far and that that we followed them this far. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, uh, it is. It is kind of wild. Uh, Joey was great as always, mm-hmm. and it is kind of wild to think about just uh, the fact that they're doing a, a Japan show like three years after they really started mm-hmm. up, and and even less than that if you want to factor in like you know Heyman coming in and all that stuff. It it's it really is wild. Just just how fast they grew and grew this following, and really all over the world <laughs> at this point. I mean, they had fans everywhere which is uh kind of wild and you could like jenny said you could clearly see that joey uh meant every single word that he said so i mean he believes what he's saying so uh, yeah just really cool stuff here so is this like i just have like a little bit of a like i guess logistics question but is Mm -hmm. paul Heyman the one setting up this stuff in tokyo like who who has the relationship like is it todd gordon like yeah so probably both like yeah. I think they kind of both kind of co or, you know, co run this promotion at this point. I remember it was Heyman and Eddie Gilbert mm-hmm. Gilbert left and then eventually passed away. Um, and for now, yeah, it's Gordon. I think it's Gordon Heyman. So I don't, I don't know, you know, who the exact connection maker was, but mm-hmm. you can see a trend with them where they try and link up with these types of promotions, right? They kind of did it with, um, you know, when they had like the deal with uh, the Mexican guys coming in, and now a Japanese, you know, connection they've had with IWA where they've used some of their stuff like Tarzan Goto and others. Mm-hmm. So you could tell like that maybe they're going after similar type of second tier promotions that have a same like style and presentation. Mm-hmm. So that's, mm-hmm. I think, why they end up going this route. And it's great. I mean, they can come in there, do this joint little tour, get some magazine coverage. And they'll be on PWI and everything else. And ECW went to Japan. So it definitely helps build the cred. Did you guys know about this stuff, like, at the time? Like, was it a thing? So, I don't know if I knew they went to Japan. Um, I was still reading, like, Pro Wrestling Illustrated and stuff by then. So, I knew of ECW. Like, I knew some of these guys, but I wasn't super dialed into what was happening beyond whatever they'd show in the magazine. Or eventually, when they would pop up, you know, when they... It's around this time they kind of start, I believe, their deal with WWF. Um, where they're basically like a feeder ground for them. Mm-hmm. And as the story goes, Vince was basically floating payments to Heyman to keep mm-hmm. it afloat for a while. Right. And as a result, they would kind of get dibs on guys or they would send guys down there to kind of rehash for a while and rebuild while they're off TV. So I think that starts soon-ish. Um, but the good thing is it doesn't change the presentation on TV. Like they mm-hmm. still shit on WWF all the time and stuff. So it's cool. But, <laughs> uh, but there definitely is some level of, and they had a relationship with WCW too, in like 94. So with the mm-hmm. cactus and Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton and all that stuff. So right. they've never been above building some, you know, or burning bridges yeah. uh, through the right. industries. Yeah. I wonder how that worked with them taking money and also shitting all of them as much as possible. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know if it's ever been answered why Vince did it. Like, I think Vince has said, like, you know, competition is good or whatever. But, like, I don't know if he really believed it. So I don't know what the actual, you know, is it just like a benevolent godfather that is like, (laughs) right. 
you know, he has little, like uh, more money than has ever existed ever, and uh, <laughs> just, it doesn't matter. Like it literally doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, but not at the time. Like at the time, true. Yeah. yeah, he was kind of funding them at a time where he didn't. He wasn't like a millionaire, or you know, I mean, he's probably a millionaire, but not like a billionaire and all this other stuff. So, I don't know. I, I don't know what the end game was for him. If he really thought, well, like maybe we'll get first dibs on the talent as it's coming up, and we can have this relationship with them and use them as a developmental ground. Hey, I'm not, I don't know. Like I know they touched on it in some of the DVDs, but I'm not like super well-versed in the real behind the scenes stuff. If it's ever come out, why Vince wanted to help support them. I feel like it has to, it has to be something like that. Like you wanted it to be like a fee, like a, an NXT type of thing. Like I I feel, I feel like it has to be something like that. Like why the hell else would he help this, you know, promotion? I mean, Jim Ross probably was helping push for that, right? Because he's always been big on like, oh, we need developmental. And you see it happen through the 90s. I mean, they kind of try to do it with Cornette in uh, Smoky Mountain, right? And then Smoky Mm -hmm. Mountain shits the bed and goes under. So I guess they kind of needed something else to fill that gap. And then later they end up starting their own stuff. Find, you know, they start doing the Funk and Dojo camps and all that stuff in like 98, 99. Mm -hmm. And then they do what UPW and and, um, Power Pro started up like in 2000-ish. So... Yeah, I, I think there's all layers to it, and that, that might have been one of them that they just thought maybe they'd get. But I, I don't know if that even works, because at the end of the day, it's still big money stuff. So it's not like Paul could deliver guys to them. Mm-hmm. It was more, you know, WCW would buy, buy guys out, right? There's still a bunch of guys that jumped to WCW during these stretches. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, if anyone out there knows, and I'm sure someone does, more than what we just talked about, share it, and we will talk about yes, it please. in a couple of episodes. All right, we go to the locker room. Tommy Dreamer and Terry Gordy are there. Gordy talks about Terry Funk, how this used to be his building, but it's Tommy's now. Gordy thanks Tommy for calling him so that they could be the best tag team. In come the Eliminators. Saturn says just because Cronus made one little mistake doesn't mean they're not the best, and they will give Gordy respect in Japan, but in their building, Gordy goes to a deathbed that he won't wake up from. And that's, of course, a callback to uh, Terry Gordy's multiple near fatalities. <laughs> <laughs> He looks half dead in the yeah. locker room uh, right here. I was like, good God, what did he get into in Japan? But oh. Well, he's all fucked up. He's, I mean, yeah. he yeah. Oh, yeah. He was basically brain dead like twice right. and came back. Mm-hmm. And like, like it's been talked about, like he was kind of almost just like a walking zombie for a couple of years here um, going through the motions. I mean, he can still go as we'll see every now and then, but it's definitely not the Terry Gordy that was Terry Gordy. The um, I love too how Saturn keeps blaming Crotus. Yes, that's what I <laughs> yeah. say too. It's like a gentle burial of him. Like <laughs> even though he fucked up, we're still the best. Like holy shit, dude. And then we get clips of that closing moments of the tag title match. Joey says rumors the Eliminators fist fight in the locker room were exaggerated, but they did have issues. And uh, we hear Cronus saying he didn't cost them anything, but Saturn stares at him. So I guess planting gentle seeds of a potential uh... issue between the two. Mm. I don't like it. Yeah. All right, we'll see. All right, that brings us to our next match, and it does feature the Eliminators taking on Takashi Okano and Kisuke Yamada from IWA. Saturn is super locked in and focused as they come out to the mm. ring. Joey says this is their first post-title reign match, and they won't do well for diplomacy purposes. Uh, the IWA duo are, are their opponents. We get some long feeling out and prep as the crowd buzzes. Joey says Cronus is nuts no matter what country he's in. Saturn says it's time to get some respect back. Okano and Saturn start off with some trading of quick holes, grounding and resetting that the crowd appreciates. Cronus tags in and hits a handspring elbow to a nice applause. Okano dodges a leg drop, tags Yamada, who lays in some strikes and grabs a side headlock, but Cronus twists out to a nice backdrop driver. 
Cronus hangs Yamada across the top rope, attacks Saturn, who screams EC fucking W, and hits a knee drop off the top rope, which the crowd popped for. Saturn gets two under Northern Lights, attacks Cronus, it's a double leg lariat. Saturn drop kicks Okano off the apron as Cronus smashes Yamato with the lariat. Yamato gets two on a crucifix and gets a very brief flurry before Cronus hits a T-bone throw. Okano tags back in as Saturn uh, as the Saturn as the Eliminators continue to control and double team. Saturn hits a pump handle suplex for two. Okano comes in with a sunset flip for two and then a German for two as well. Saturn comes back and folds Okano with his own German and then throws him outside and follows with a whip into some front row chairs. Saturn goes up top and flies off into Okano on the floor as Cronus was holding him. Back inside, Yamada comes in and gets wrecked as well with strikes and holds. Saturn is just relentless. He's so pissed off about not having the tag titles in Japan. That was like his whole goal is to come here as champion. Okano tags back in. Saturn works him over as well as his Cronus. They had a big leaping somersault leg drop and then an overhead throw. Saturn mashes him thoroughly until Okano comes back in with a clothesline and tags Yamada. They hit double drop kicks on both and clear out the ring. Cronus comes back in and now he gets worked over a bit. All four guys end up in the ring briefly until Okada and Yukano uh, get a double STF on Cronus, which Saturn breaks up. Saturn tags in and smashes Okano with a thrust kick, eats a tight DDT, and survives a pin cover. Okano hits a missile drop kick, but Cronus saves. Okano gets back up, but the time Saturn meets him with a standing drop kick. Saturn hits a Saturn bomb and a top rope headbutt, but Yamada saves. And a moment later, the Eliminators finish Okano with total elimination to a nice pop. I thought this was really well worked. It was executed. It was crisp. It was clean. The crowd was very into it, popping for all the big spots. Saturn worked with a purpose. He's so angry. And it feels like he's carrying the load uh, through the whole match because he's so mad at Cronus for fucking up the tag title match. <laughs> you can feel him thinking like he's going to do this on his own and he's like driven to do it. I thought Okano and Yamato, um, Yama- Yamata were solid as well and put the Eliminators over strong. I went three and a quarter, Matt. I, I dug this. Yeah, I liked it a lot too. Uh, three stars for me. Uh, you could see, like you mentioned, just how fucking pissed off Saturn is from the moment he walks out to the ring. He's got the, just this fucking scowl on his face, and he's like, he's so pissed off that he doesn't have the tag titles. Uh, the crowd was really into this match. Uh, the ECW chance in Japan was pretty wild to me. It really shows just how much they were picking up steam at this point. And I mean, there's fans in the crowd wearing uh, wearing shirts. There's signs everywhere. So that's uh, that was really cool to see. It did feel uh, to me like it, it was a little back and forth but it did feel like kind of like an extended showcase match for the eliminators for me which is fine i mean uh, i'm all in on seeing the eliminators uh, wrestle for 15 minutes but yeah this is really well done a lot of uh good spots the flip leg drop by cronus is uh, i don't know how a man that size does that and same thing with the the back spring elbow in the corner that's always impressive mm-hmm. but uh yeah the total elimination great as always so uh yeah really fun match uh a good first match for this show. I went three stars on it, Jenny. Uh, I suppose there were like three other wrestlers in this, but um, this was a Perry Saturn match. Um, it was just like his match. Like he was just, he was so fucking just, I don't, it, I don't know that we've seen this much from him. Like he's been like a really good wrestler and like, I love them as a team, but I don't think we've seen mm-hmm. him like this before. Like mm-hmm. I thought his intensity was off the charts um, he looks amazing and I don't, I don't know. It's like, it's like he went to some sort of second level in Japan or something like, 
he's always real good, but there's just the, like y'all said, this edge to him that really comes out in the wrestling and the other wrestlers just really go with it. Like they, there's good chemistry here, but really it's just a big beat down on the, on the poor Japanese guys who do do very well. Um, and they were, they were hanging in with everything. Um, always very curious about wrestlers who don't speak the same language and how they work a match, you know, um, always been pretty interested in that. Like, do they, I mean, you can't call it in the ring or can you like, you know, do they pick up enough of the wrestling lingo in each other's languages? Right. They, they, they know enough. Of it. Yeah. Right. Say. So mm-hmm. Japan, so they've had experience there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. But I mean, I think this is probably just an international language, right? Where they just kind of understand yeah. each other. I think that's so interesting. Cool. Um, And the crowd. So at first I was like, okay, maybe I'm just not used to uh, this crowd because I felt like it was real quiet until the big spots. So like they would be like super quiet waiting for the big spots. Well, that's a Japanese thing. Okay. So that's what I was thinking that it probably was. Um, It's interesting. Like it's, it's, I kind of was a little bit off put, but then the more I thought about it and the more the match went, I was like, this is kind of good. Like, I really like it makes the bigger pops even bigger for me when you get the quiet in between. If that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, that's but, the Japanese crowd is like, yeah, it's like a respect thing. They sit quietly. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And respect the match and give the applause to like the big moments and then quiet back down and kind of studying the match. So silence in Japan isn't like silence in America when it comes to matches. That's that's awesome, and I I love that I know that now. Um, I should probably watch more Japanese wrestling, but I went uh three and one quarter stars on this one. Okay, very good. And yeah, Saturn was definitely wrestling with an absolute purpose, and yes. just <laughs> dominated that match. Uh, Joey's in the nest. He says it's time for an ECW World Title match. Paulie uh, dangerously is headed to the ring. We go back to Corrigan, and Paul is in the ring to applause and ECW chance. And we have a very big-time title match to roll out for this special visit as ECW's premier long-running feud, Raven versus Tommy Dreamer, is on display. Joey says Raven's foot is fresh out of a cast. Mm, always. He should not even mm. be wrestling. I think he's had his foot injury for about a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> it, was seeing, it was weird seeing Raven solo out there. Yeah. Uh, Bueller's mm. with Tommy. She's got a cast on her broken right arm. And uh, some good buzz during the intros. The announcer reads the contract with Paul as a witness, and the title is on the line. We get a tight lock up to start. Both guys tumble outside. We go back in where Tommy hits a knee to the nuts and dumps Raven to the floor. Tommy sits up a chair on the apron, hits a baseball side drop kick into Raven after a long, awkward setup on that. Raven's already bleeding. Dreamer drags him into the stairs, and the crowd is already loving this ECW authenticity that they're getting. Raven DDTs Tommy on the floor into the chaos of the fans. Raven chucks him down the steps, and at the bottom level, he smashes him with a chair. Back in the ring, Raven smacks Tommy with another chair and DDTs him on it for a near fall. We go back outside the ring where Raven puts Tommy on a table, drills him through with a leaping axe handle, and there's just no give at all. Like Tommy just like bounces back up. Uh, Tommy battles back Raven uh, and walks Raven up the stairs again. He spikes him to the wall, and in a cool moment, it leaves Raven's blood on the wall as a stain. Tommy uses a back scratcher from a fan and then chucks Raven violently down the stairs. A fan kicks Tommy in the head, and he flies down the stairs. And Joey reveals that the fan is actually Stevie Richards, who is here in Japan. Back inside, Raven gets two. Stevie comes in and slaps Tommy, hits a Stevie kick, but Tommy kicks out. Stevie then kicks Raven by accident and powerbombs Tommy, puts Raven on top for two. Stevie goes up top and does some awful karate motions, but Tommy crotches him and kicks him down. Raven drop kicks Stevie by accident. 
Tommy DDTs uh, for a close near fall. Tommy grabs a chair and bulldogs Stevie on it. Tommy then avalanches Stevie in the corner, and then Raven slams into him for two. Tommy is a leaping DDT and goes up top, and it's a flying knee, but Patricia shows up. It's Meanie's girlfriend. It breaks up the pin. Beulah then comes in and slaps her. Tommy drives Patricia. Raven smacks Tommy with a chair and retains his title. So I thought this was like kind of like a greatest hits, like the usual fare, uh, just without the usual ECW atmosphere. It almost, uh, again, felt like a tour for them. It, it still worked, but it misses the vibes of the arena to go next level for this type. So the type of reaction you were talking about a minute ago, Jenny, worked, I think, in that match. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, I feel like it was a little kind of took away from it almost a bit. Um but Raven's crew was indeed in Japan and they helped. So they work, they get one over on Tommy again. And this really just felt like, okay, we're showcasing our stuff for these new fans, but it was nothing next level, nothing fresh. Like we've seen this match a million times. So it was fine. Perfunctory two and three quarters, Jenny. But um, it, it just like, if you're those fans seen it for the first time live, it's, it's a hoot, right? But for us who've watched it now, a bunch, them pretty much going through these motions, it felt like, okay, I probably could have been okay. <laughs> not, not watching this one too. <laughs> I mean, I will agree with you. I did three on it, though. Um, I thought the uh, falling down the stairs was pretty good. Like, mm. um, we don't. Oh, get yeah, and they see... still went all out. I don't yeah. want to make it like I thought. I didn't think they were half-assing it at all. No, like, no, no. They, they, no, they, they put on a show. Yeah. We've just seen the show a right. bunch of times. Right. I, we haven't seen a good stair fall. So I thought that was yep. fairly unique. Um, I thought Stevie dressed uh, as, a, as a fan in the crowd was fairly unique although his hair was tied up in a man bun behind a hat so i don't know how they knew it was stevie without his glorious hair flowing behind him and then he takes his hat off so they know that it's him so i thought that was great um yeah i mean it, like you said um a greatest hits um but the the crowd i think is i you said takes away i, I want to say ads just for me because I know that it's probably like super exciting for them and you know, it has to be like awesome to see this stuff live. So um, Mm -hmm. I I did the bump up to the three stars, Matt. Yeah. I went three stars on it too. It's uh, it, it does feel like uh, Raven versus dreamer greatest hits, but the greatest hits work for, uh, for me, but uh, yeah, definitely weird to see Raven without uh, 17 people (laughs) with him in the ring. So, but uh, you know, obviously Stevie ends up showing up. Um, yeah, the the uh, the fall down the the uh, the steps was uh, nasty as per usual. Um, the pile driver to Patricia was absolutely brutal. I mean, oh, yeah. she she uh, God bless her for taking that because I thought she broke her neck and I mean she may have. We'll see <laughs> if she how does she make the trip. Her. You know, Mimi's not That's there. A great like, question. How she get on the plane? That is a great question. I was going to ask the same same thing. Stevie like, must have brought her. You know. Lori's not there. Tyler's not there. But uh, Patricia, Patricia, mm-hmm. Patricia, Patricia gets a seat on the plane. <laughs> Whatever. I'm guessing Meanie had to be there, right? He just, they just don't use him for some reason. But yeah, it's odd they'd bring her. Not I guess unless they wanted to do the cat fight, she's the only one available. Possibly, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, the the table stuff, uh, the table just would not break <laughs> for these yeah. guys, mm-hmm. despite their best efforts. But I, I still think it worked, even with the table not breaking. Um, I thought the finish was a little weak too, with uh, the two chair shots. Like I, I would have liked to have seen Raven hit another DDT to end it. But uh, yeah, it was still pretty good, and the crowd was, uh, uh, the crowd liked it quite a bit. So uh, three stars for me. 
All right. So that pretty much wraps up this episode. <clears throat> it doesn't pretty much. It does. Uh, so best match, I thought, uh, I, I think we'd all agree was the tag. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, unfairly, puts our worst match at Streamer Raven, but yeah. was still pretty good as we talked about. Uh, best moment, I went with Paul's entrance to start. I thought that was pretty good. Not, not to start, but before the main event. Like, it felt like a big deal that he got to come out here and kind of shine for a minute. I will go with Raven falling down the stairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go with... um. Oh, shit. I, I'm going to go with um, Perry, like, just burying um, uh, Cronus. Yeah, with his <laughs> he fucked up comment. <laughs> it was good. Uh, most 90s, I'm with the Mike Tyson, Buster Douglas reference. Yes. And Paulie's yep. uh, giant Same. phone. <laughs> yeah. That fucking phone is, like, so massive. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Stock rising. I went with Saturn. And then I went with ECW, like, as a whole. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. this is a big stock up for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that. Um, oh, definitely Perry Saturn. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think there's much more standout on this, Matt. Yeah, I would. I would. You definitely have to have Saturn on here, and then I don't know. I I, I like the ECW as a whole answer, so let's go with that. Okay. Uh, I didn't have anyone for stock falling. I mean, it was Mm-mm. it was pretty solid. No. Mm-hmm. All right, final grade. I went six and a half out of ten. I mean, it's not one of the top end episodes that we're kind of used to, but it's still very good. Like we had two three star matches. If you average them out, you had the cool atmosphere. You had the hype piece about their growth into Japan. Um, it just it felt like a special outing. So this would have been a cool way to spend forty five minutes on a late night in nineteen ninety six. I I would agree with that. So I'm gonna do the seven out of ten. Um, I I liked I like the matches. I think a little bit more than you guys. So. Yeah, I I actually went seven on it too. I think the atmosphere uh, bumped it up the extra half for me. Just just a different atmosphere to see these type of matches, and and it, it worked for me. And the matches were good. I mean, I went three stars on both of them. So, which for a weekly TV show is mm-hmm. pretty is uh, good stuff. So yeah, I'll go seven on it. Also, as good stuff is everything we bring to you here, the North South Connection Podcast Network, with podcasts dropping literally every day now with Cronoso Daily, where we're going chronologically through the history of WF, WWE pay per views and uh, major shows, the time made events, one match per day, a different voice every day. We have, what, 10 to 11 voices, Jenny, I believe, or 12 if you cut your team up with Logan. Yes. Um, rotating, so you all get one match, and then we don't hear from you again for a couple weeks. And I think it's a really cool setup. You know, it's kind of brainchild of Aaron. And I thought you guys have been crushing it so far. So continuing to look forward to that rolling on on top of all the other great content we have. Of course, we're inching toward WrestleMania season. So we're going to have some content specific toward building to WrestleMania. And we have uh, audio dropping as well, focusing on Place to Be Nation's stretch project of the greatest WWE wrestler ever project. So we will uh, be doing some stuff there to help you build your list. This is, of course, a five-year look back from the original that hit in 2017. And, uh, of, you know, pay-per-view previews to current stuff, breakdowns to current stuff, but then lots of evergreen content, mainly around the world of wrestling, but also in pop culture with some sports mixed in as well. Facebook.com slash North South Connection. You can subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. Uh, Jenny, why don't you tell us quickly about the Jenny position? The Jenny position is my uh, podcast feed. I have several cool shows over there. Um, my latest episode is with you, Maddie Susan. We, we, uh, it's an episode of you heard about Pluto, and we watched a absolutely ridiculous um, 
show on there called oh god most extreme challenge mm-hmm. yes and um yeah that was very dumb so listen to me and matt giggle for like an hour and <laughs> um you know i've just been doing a lot of plutos lately so there's a lot of plutos on there right now um to come there will be a brand new freak out drive-in and talk and pop uh you can follow me on twitter at jenny position and my facebook page matt i think you want to plug yeah, uh, last episode of Ruthlessly Aggressive on this here podcast feed I was on with Jake where we discussed Armageddon 2002, which is a uh, show that exists. If you want to hear uh, what basically amounts to uh, Jake reading Penthouse Forum uh, to myself, <laughs> uh, definitely uh, give that episode a listen. That's a ton of fun to do uh, over on the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed. You can find me on Highway to the Impact Zone uh, on YouTube Roulette and over on the Pop feed. I am usually on every episode of Popcorn Chicken Salad, and you can follow me on Twitter at msusan1991. All right, let's head over to August 20th, 1996. We open with highlights of the gangsters winning the tag team titles. We then go outside for a promo with New Jack, and it's a solemn Jack. Tells a story about how his sister's youngest son was killed as part of gang violence in a neighborhood that they've been trying to escape. His nephew was killed by a stray bullet while sleeping in his bed. Jack says all the money he's trying to make wasn't enough, and he told Mustafa they have to win the belts because who knows who would be next, and they got to get the rest of the family out of the projects together by any means necessary. This was amazing delivery and gravity yes. as we're going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then get a gangsters music video. We come back as Jack and Mustafa says Mustafa told him he never saw Jack like this before, and Jack said his mom cried for three weeks because they didn't even have the money to get his nephew a tombstone and said tonight they win the tag team titles and they'll get that kid his tombstone. Uh, so, Jenny, what do you think of this uh, pretty intense promo for New Jack? Uh, I don't know what I was expecting. Um, and, well, you know, I do know what I was expecting in a New Jack promo. Uh, insanity and screaming and somebody getting their head run over with a car, usually. But mm-hmm. this was amazing um, because he just... he. Like, it's so real. Like, I don't know if this is real, but I believe this story. Like, I believe this happened in his life. And uh, to me, that's a fucking great promo. Um, he, Like you said, he's very solemn, just arms crossed, like, far away look in his eyes. You know, just bearing his soul, basically. And it's captivating and absolutely tremendous, Matt. Yeah, uh, this is great stuff. It was a side of New Jack, I feel like we haven't really seen like we've seen like the intensity and like the 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 manicness but i feel like like this like serious side of new jack we we haven't really seen if ever i mean it's just like he he's not really playing up a character it felt like he was like himself he was just talking you know and i i I think it really worked and um yeah definitely uh an interesting promo interesting that uh the ecw tag titles are apparently what's going to for the tombstone but uh you know it, it is it is what it is but i did wonder uh, like are they like pawning them or like, <laughs> yeah. like where does the money come from i assume right. being champ gives you a bump in your paycheck uh, i mean i i, th- I, I think that's yeah what, i think it's the that's theory. what they were going yeah. for in theory but okay yeah and it gets you but, maybe booked on more shows and right. that's always been a thing that's always been talked about mm-hmm. Is yeah, like oh the winner share of the purse the championship level the money that comes with it endorsements and all this other stuff so yeah, I think that's meant to be the, the take on it. Well, who's right. endorsing New Jack though? You know, Nike. Really? No, I don't know. Okay. 
I'm just saying, like, you know, <laughs> at this point, are, are like, ECW wrestlers, like, <laughs> going to be approached for sponsorships or, you know what I mean? Look, you never know. Who would have thought they'd be in Japan? But, no, I really think if the idea is, yeah, they're going to make more money right. as being mm-hmm. champions. They'll be paid more for their services. That's mm-hmm. a shame. Better you are, the more you'll make. All right, we got our opening animation. Joey's in the nasty. Heists up the big weekend at the ECW Arena, which will have a weapon-filled, natural-born killers match between the gangsters and Eliminators. This week, we also get the story of Gary Wolf, Pitbull 1, and this weekend coming up will be a tribute to him. Shane Douglas and Francine are on fan cam. They say they won't be at the arena Friday night for Requiem. Easy for me to say. Requiem for a Pitbull. Because they'll be busy doing each other. <laughs> They'll be banging on Friday night. They're boycotting this joke to honor someone who already gets the best parking place at the mall and could qualify for the Special Olympics. Jeez. Francine mocks his halo, and Douglas says the pit bull is now a puppy, and he'll be sucking someone else's tigs. He can't do it for himself. He's a modern-day Magnum TA who can say he's hurt and can't do it alone and wants handouts from the boys, and that's a shoot at you, Magnum. If any fan shows up at the arena, they'll be held to pay to anyone that pays tribute. So this was... Fuck. I feel like Douglas has really ratcheted up the asshole um, mm-hmm. factor lately, mm-hmm. and uh, Francine just adds to that vibe as well, but this this was something here, Matt. He really uh, really going in. A Yeah, uh, incredibly angry <laughs> Shane Douglas promo while he's uh, backstage in this uh, random uh, office building hallway thing, wherever he was. I mean, uh, the parking spot line. Good Lord. I mean, I know it was 1996, but Jesus Christ, that was rough. Uh, calling him a puppy. And then he calls out Magnum T.A. What the hell did Ma- like, does he hate everybody who ever worked for a NWA or WCW? He's going after Magnum T.A. now. What the hell did he do? Magnum must have done something. Though, <laughs> he hasn't wrestled in 10 fucking years. What the hell could he do to Shane Douglas? Jesus. I mean, he's just, Magnum. Oh, he's just so fucking angry at everybody. Buddy. I mean, it's great. This promo was great, but uh, my lord. Yeah, <laughs> great stuff from Shane. It, oh, God, Shane. When he gets on this bullshit, he just doesn't know how to, like, stop. You know, he, he just... I, I feel like this isn't as bad as his Dick Flair stuff, but it, it's kind of edging towards that territory that I would rather not do. Um... Yeah, and I think it's Francine. She's just a bad influence on him. That's got to be it, right? Because he he had his life together, right? Previously. Mm. Mm. But then she just brought all this chaos, you know? He was never this angry before, you guys. Mm. He actually liked Magnum T.A. before Francine. <laughs> yeah, there were buds before. <laughs> no. no, I just, you know, he's so good. And she does, she does add a lot. And I don't know what he's wearing on his head, but it's like a backwards, <laughs> like, news cap or something newsboy page boy i don't know one of those weird the kevin james hat yeah one of those one of those old man caps yeah it's not it's not a great look um that that was like kind of a 90s early 2000s things i hate that stupid hat yeah it's not Mm. great Mm -hmm. uh but goddamn i mean just going in on pitbull i mean jesus christ the guy's Mm -hmm. like broken so give him a break shane but yeah this is very good all right, Joey's back in the nest. He sends us back to Doctor is in. We get the tearful interview with Pitbull 1 that Douglas interrupted just to be an asshole. We then see Douglas versus Pitbull 2 from Doctor is in. 
Pitbulls are backstage. Pitbull 1 says every morning he has to wake up and look at his halo. And Pitbull 2 says he wishes it was him. And Pitbull 1 says he's glad it wasn't him. So this, these guys are really going through it right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Pulp Fiction time. Shane Douglas and Francine in a limo laughing at their success. Brian Lee calls out Dreamer, says he chokes Santa through some tables and cages. And Tommy tried to get someone to take him out instead of being man enough to do it himself. Gordy reminds Lee who he is and says he'll kick his ass. Taz says if Gordy shows his face again, the last stretch is only the beginning. Fonzie brags about stretching Beulah. The Dully's near a dumpster, and Bubba asks Devon if who he likes his, how he likes his receipts. Kiss performs on a sidewalk trying to get a, a ride to the arena, but no one stops until <laughs> in comes Joel, Joel Gertner in a tiny car. And they somehow all pile into this thing. It's like a fucking neon or something. Uh, Jack brags about on their title win and cashing that first check to buy a tombstone. But the Oleanders jumped them and said the monies and belts belong to them. And screw that hood brat's tombstone. So the hate continues to Jesus flow with these teams. Uh, I think it's a pretty good Pulp Fiction, Jenny. It was really good. I mean, just it's all over the place, like, as far as tone, which is, like, just so fun mm-hmm. on these. Um, like, as serious as the pit bulls going, I wish it was me. <laughs> oh, so cute. And then... <laughs> And then the silliness with Joel in the car, and then the brutalness of the Eliminators. Oh my god, I was not expecting that closing line that they had, so... Oh my god, uh, Shane Douglas not the only savage one in this group. This was very fun, Matt. Yeah, uh, this was great stuff. Uh, really, all over the place as far as uh, emotions go. You got uh, Shane drinking booze in the limo, <laughs> telling the guy to go once around the park or something like that. You have uh, Stevie and crew hitchhiking, uh, Blue Meanie showing a little thigh to get that ride from Joel Gertner, by the way. Mm-hmm. And then they all pile into this fucking Chrysler LeBaron or whatever the hell it was. It's just, yeah. And then you have the stuff with New Jack and the Eliminators taking him out. Yeah, I mean... Uh, great stuff. Really good stuff here. All right, that wraps us up. Um, I didn't really give too much in the way of awards. I mean, obviously, I think New Jack's promo was the, the moment of the night for sure. For yep. And, uh, you know, they have Stark continues to rise. Douglas was an asshole. So I think we're well primed for Natural Born Killers. Um, Jen, any thoughts on what's to come for that show? Oh, what's to come for that show? Um, I wonder what Stevie's next uh, hilarious gimmick's going to be. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. surely there'll be a new one. Um, I don't know. Um, everything. I feel like maybe not as much excitement and hype as the previous show. Mm. I don't know if you guys feel that way. Um, I don't well, know. I think we lost a week of TV with the Japanese tour because right. they really didn't spend any of that show hyping anything. Right. It was really right. just like we're showcasing what ECW is. And that was it. Like, they didn't really further much besides the Eliminators just being mad about the tag titles. Um, and and Dreamer and Raven, which is, you know, it doesn't really need much at this point um, to keep it moving. So I, I think, you know, we lost a week. So I think that definitely dulled some of the hype for the show. And I, it seems to me they were really banking on selling it on the gangsters and the Eliminators in the cage. That does make sense, um, based on the Pulp Fiction and everything. So, yeah, I'm definitely here for that. Um, a lot of the other stuff just feels like it's all in the middle. You know, it's all, like, just fine. I mean, with, for this is really good, but, Matt, 
Yeah, it definitely feels like uh, going into it like not one of the like uh, bigger shows. Like it's not as big as like a Heat Wave or a Hardcore Heaven or something like that. But I mean, it does have a, a big main event on top. As finally, we are going to see Gangsters versus Eliminators, the fucking mm-hmm. match I've been wanting to see since I joined this podcast. So <laughs> it's fi- finally going to happen, and I'm very excited about that. So uh, hopefully, it goes well. And it's a big weekend, too, because the big Requiem for a Pitbull is actually the night before. Right. Um, so that's not part of that show. So there's just a lot going on. So. All right, we'll be back in two weeks' time on this very uh, spot, on this very podcast network, to talk Natural Born Killers at 1996 in the ECW Arena. Until then, everyone stay extreme, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. Channel.